0: I'm happy in knowing that you're having my baby. You're the woman I love and I love.
1: This is episode 300 of PZ's podcast entitled, You're Having My Baby. And um, it, uh, it goes back to a sort of response that I had in my own heart as I read a kind of uh, comment on an Instagram post by Sarah Condon and a comment that she herself um, uh, put uh, on about birth control during a time of coronavirus. And, and, you know, boy, we better use birth control now because of whatever circumstances we're living under as a married couple. And then and then uh, she wrote, or should we? <laughs> and uh, when I read that, I had such a flash of recognition. You're going to laugh when I say it, but I had very strongly felt just a couple of days before I read that little tiny um, aside that I thought was humorous and ironic and true was that I thought to myself, golly, if Mary and I were only the right age, wouldn't it be great now to, to conceive a child? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a baby? That was a, a, some kind of a stretching moment of hope and faith that uh, I was given. I shared it with Mary who laughed, um, you know, like Sarah in the Bible. Sarah a., Um And It's not going to happen, but I thought, wouldn't it? What a strange thing that that was where my spirit led uh, in this time of terrible um, retrenchment and regression in every sense of possible. uh, That uh, the thought occurred, and I felt it was very much the right thought uh, to have a baby and to start anew and afresh, Adam and Eve. You know, let's give Adam and Eve another chance. That was almost a top 10 song by Gary Puckett in the Union Gap, you know, in 1969, believe it or not. Let's give Adam and Eve another chance, and it's a very Christian song. Song, a little dumb but wonderful. Now, um, the reason I'm saying this is because I want to talk a little about about the um, where we are on this 300th sort of marker of a cast in a way that I hope will uh, amplify and build your faith. So much of what I hear from the Christian community, and I get, we're getting a tremendous number of messages, thoughts, and. Uh, 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 dedications and uh, church services right now online, dozens and dozens and dozens of them, and a number of them, they're all very well-meaning. Uh, the ones that come from the extreme socially progressive churches are so about God being with us that there's very little bit about of God actually maybe involved in changing the circumstances or maybe altering something. There's absolutely no sense of the miraculous in some of the things I read, although they're well-intentioned. But um, one of the things that I note is that there are a tremendous number of Uh, talks and thoughts that are basically trying to sort of give us mental hygiene, um, to give us uh, you know uh, ideas about God and hopes about God and words about God that can kind of reassure us and comfort us as words in the middle of bearing with this terrible crisis that everybody's in. And I understand that too, but I sort of, you know, I want a little bit more. Why did I find, have I found such a port in the storm in the ministry of Paula White's church here in Apopka, Florida, it's not because of a particular individual. Obviously, there are elements of every pastoral relationship that are uh, related about, uh, concerning a person that you respect and admire and you get something from. But, um, and that's inevitably true, transference and countertransference. But the reason I'm so interested in what she's doing is because she, in a ministry to me personally, uh, a, a power came through her that uh, spoke to me directly in an area that no one else ever had been able to effectuate or move the mountain of Sisyphus. Uh, nothing had ever been sufficient to deal with a particular form of pain or suffering, whatever you want to call it. And uh, somehow through her ministry, it came and that's why i mean i felt like the people that you know would follow the lord because he he uh i don't know what it was but i was once i was blind and not blind and now i see i mean t- you can tell me all you want but it, you can tell me about the package that it was in and you can tell me about what you criticize about the agency through which the change came but one thing i do know i was blind and now i can see so that accounts for it but what we're really talking about is the power of god to effect a change in your life and i do want to really bear, uh, b- bore in on that in relationship to this. Uh, God is not without the agency and the personal autonomy with a capital A to make a change in this situation. He can find today an easily available, absolutely effective vaccine. It has been done in the past, you know. There's something called the polio vaccine, you, you know, to, to, to vaccinate the entire population cheaply and reasonably and uh, without uh, terrible side effects. So that all of us can be together again, immune to the particular virus we're dealing with, that can happen. Uh, It happened in War of the Worlds. It happened. It's happened many times in history, where a great miracle has happened—a change in temperature, a change in the seas, uh, uh, something that we hadn't expected—that can happen. uh, A vaccine or therapies that are uh, effective in 99% of cases. That—that's what we're. We need to not stop praying for that. I notice that that some sections of the media really don't want to talk at all about a vaccine. It's almost as if they want the thing to continue or get worse for some reason that is probably fairly sinister. Uh, but whatever it is, is, uh, if we do not pray for a change, we're um, we are wrong. And I'm going to conclude this podcast with an excerpt from a song called Power by Eddie James, whom I had the privilege of spending time with recently, one-to-one, and meeting. And I was so touched and and uh, amazed. But Eddie James and two singers who work with him um, put out a song called Power that I really want you to listen to. To in light of what we are dealing with and what God needs to do in face of this seemingly insuperable, terrible challenge that the world is facing. But before that, I want to talk about the uh, a a kind of uh, religion which is not about words, uh, but is about. Um, uh, remember that song in My Fair Lady: Words, words, words. I'm so sick of words. Is that all you blighters can do? She, she just she's had it with men who just give her a line, Eliza Doodlittle, and don't actually. Do it. Don't. I mean, don't love. Don't actually really express and embody love. She's had it with words, and I think the uh, power of Christianity, of the gospel, and of God is when words fail, and experience takes over. To quote Simeon Zahl, and experience becomes the lodestar for the future. And in relationship to that, I've been very absorbed by. Bear with me now for just about five minutes. Uh, An essay that William Hale White uh, composed in 1908. William Hale White, whom the world knew as Mark Rutherford, was a pseudonymous novelist who actually had a job in the Admiralty in Whitehall in London. No one knew that at night he was going home while his wife would retire early. She was very ill, chronically ill. He would write these extraordinary novels. He had a very deep understanding of evangelical Christianity that was positive, but also tempered by some bad experiences of Pharisaism that he had had himself as a young person. So while on the one hand he saw through a lot of the nonsense both of the Church of England and in the dissenting evangelical churches that he knew as a child but he also always believed that it was possible to have true evangelical religion nevertheless embodied in a real situation and all of his novels have at least one character who is the real deal. Well... In an essay he wrote near the end of his life in 1908, he um, puts himself in the position of a lecturer at something called the Hesper Society, which is kind of a book club in a little village uh, village in, uh, in uh, Kent. This is near where the man actually lived. I visited his house. Extraordinary day I spent there. But he sees himself as a lecturer before this book club called the Hesper Society, which is composed of secular people who like literature and are quite self-righteous, as it's, we find out. And he decides to give them a lecture about the character Little Nell in Dickens' novel The Old Curiosity Shop. And you may remember that Little Nell, as a young, prepubescent girl, is a very saintly, selfless person who, under terrible threat, is forced to flee with her doting and loving but rather losing it, grandfather, throughout the English countryside. And her grandfather and she share a, uh, share a series of very vulnerable adventures. and um, uh, But the grandfather, who loves her so, has a compelling illness. That is to say, he's a gambler. And what little money they have, which is hers, to live on in this terrible period in their lives. She's about 12 and he's about 75. Um, the uh, he gambles all their money away, and they're in a terrible situation. And at one point, says the lecturer, William Hale White, to the Hesper Society, he describes what happens when they stop in a, um, a graveyard near a church, and something happens to the grandfather. This is what he writes. Bear with me. It's worth reading. A great change was wrought on the grandfather towards the end of the novel. One morning, Nell was weeding the graves with her grandfather, and she said something to him. And this slight incident, says Charles Dickens and he seems purposely to exaggerate its importance. This slight exchange they had at this terrible moment in their... She's kind of childishly trying to clean out some old tombs uh, in a verdant churchyard in kent on the Lamb. This exchange strangely affected the grandfather. He pressed Nell to his side and bade her stop to rest. Something he had long forgotten appeared to struggle faintly in his mind, writes Dickens. He laid her head on his arm and Muttered something, and from that time there sprung up in the old man's mind a solicitude about the child which never slept or left him. Dickens writes There are chords in the human heart which are only struck by accident, which remain mute and senseless to appeals the most passionate and earnest, and respond at last to the slightest casual touch. I wish to call your attention to this passage about the change in the grandfather. Because some of the religious sects, now we have the lecturer talking about what he's just said to the society, some of the sects make much of what we call conversion. It is not so prominent in the Church of England. But amongst dissenters, men and women who have led an irreligious or even an immoral life, often are, or perhaps it is more correct to say often were, in times gone by, suddenly turned from indifference, disbelief, and evil ways to an earnest faith in Christianity. We have examples of this miraculous change in the New Testament, the most striking perhaps being that wrought in Saul of Tarsus, who was struck to the earth by a light from heaven. The cause of the change in the old man and old curiosity chop could not have been and can never be insufficient, because it, it, it was probably, in this case, a look. And we know that a look can melt a man's heart. The conversion of the grandfather is better than the conversion of the sex, because it is brought about by true human means. That is to say, it is not a selfish anxiety for the salvation of his soul, but a disappearance of self in love. Now we finish. The chairman, Miss Sybil Peck, of the Hesper Society, at this point rose and said she hoped the lecturer would pardon the interruption, but she was obliged to warn him that by the rules of the society, theological subjects were prohibited. He had not, strictly speaking, transgressed at present, but he had almost assumed the possibility of something happening, which was not the result of the operation of Mother Nature's laws, and there were therefore amongst his audience some to whom such an assumption would be offensive." The lecture about, and replied that he would most carefully not wish to wound anyone's feelings. What she is saying is that the world in which she is living, which became triumphant in England and is triumphant in England, except in in sort of some kind of public religion that uh, the Church of England occasionally embodies, not very well. Certainly not now, in my opinion. Um, that. Uh, the idea that there might actually be a miracle. There might be an actual change. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. No way, Jose. And he transgresses the lecturer when he talks about it. And the whole point of this rather longish essay, which is a series of rambling and perceptive reflections on the character of little Nell and her grandfather in Charles Dickens' old curiosity shop, is entirely meant subtly because he's a very subtle writer, this man, uh, William Hale White. And I'm a member of the Mark Rutherford Society, a very active member, and I want to tell you about that another time. Um, this, uh, this very subtle paper of 20 pages is entirely about that interruption when the Dickens' discussion of conversion, which ties into the New Testament discussion of conversion and real transformation in a person, touches a horror in the appalled uh, Miss Peck, the um, chairman of the meeting at the time. And I was thinking about what's happening today, you know, if you actually evince the uh, hope that something could happen uh, religiously, that is through God, to turn this terrible scourge away. You know, there's a whole world out there, and it's very, very active and powerful, that wants to kill you and will do anything but to accept the possibility that faith says that God is bigger than the coronavirus. My friend Harold Fuller, who is this sort of senior warden, you might say, of uh, City of Destiny Parish, ch- the church we go to on the Sunday nights, we go to the Episcopal Church in the morning, but on Sunday nights we try to escape. Uh, That's not the right word. We uh, try to enhance our worship. We love the Episcopal Church, love it, but we uh, go at nighttime to uh, this very high-octane situation where Paula preaches, and um, lo and behold, he writes me today, uh, his prayers that he's been receiving from the Lord each day during the epidemic are just miraculous calls to the miraculous God, to to, to repel the offense and yet they're all in the light of help us because our young people will start committing suicide I mean he really understands the mental health implications of a long-term stoppage of life my friend Elder Harold he understands the nature of addiction especially of drug addiction and how that will become all the more you know I'm, I'm eating more than I should I mean I'm not eating sugar that I've kept the rule about not eating or not drinking alcohol and not eating any sugar but I'm definitely eating a little bit more during this time it's not good I'm compensating. Well. Yeah. <laughs> There are many ways to compensate, and none of them are really very good. They imply that something is a little bit awry. So, um, the miraculous. Well, I close. I hope you've heard something from this uh, about uh, lifting your sights. Uh, let's pray together that God is going to turn away this scourge. He may find, it may purely be in a therapy that he finds through chlorinaquine or whatever, chlorinaquine or whatever that sort of clorox and quinine is, or quinine as the English say, or, or something, <coughs> a mixture of different antibiotics. Antiviral drugs or something else. But there's no reason <coughs> why um, God cannot, uh, uh, once he's done his work, and I think he's at work in this, I think he's at work in this thing. That's a whole other podcast. Um, that there's no reason why he can't uh, uh, depotentiate uh, this terrible attack on the human body that we're seeing. And that's what I want to give give you. I leave you with Eddie James, whom I met recently. was so touched to meet Eddie James. I think I've already mentioned it. We're going to hear Power by Eddie James. And take this to heart, people. We're not Christians based on simply affirmations, good as they are and true as they are. We're Christians because we believe in the power of God rather than the power of horses and chariots, as Mary said so memorably in her her devotion for Mockingbird this uh, last week, uh, Saturday it was, we believe in a God who is far more powerful than all human um, agencies and false hopes and uh, urges. And I uh, listen carefully now to Eddie James' power. I love you so much, and I'll talk to you real soon. God bless.